Hi, I'm Matt Harrison, President of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and you're listening to Clerical Errors Podcast. Recorded live at Talks and Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast, the podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Talks and Tasting Studios, this is a Clerical Errors Podcast. I'm Bull Hagen. And I'm Berg. And I'm Vicar. Welcome to the show. So how you doing, Berg? Pretty good, pretty good. Vicar, how you doing? Not bad. That's good. That's good. It's been a kind of fun week for the podcast. We've gotten a lot of good responses from uh, the Melba episode. Mm-hmm. I've gotten a couple messages where people to actually talk about being in tears listening to that episode. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'll take that as a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I think it was meant in a really good spirit. So, so, um, and. Uh, We've got some, I was going to look this up because we have more listeners. We have, uh, I hate to beat a dead horse here, but Oklahoma. Do we have any downloads? Uh, We have more downloads from Australia, Canada, Lithuania uh, than we do Oklahoma right now. Huh. So. Wow. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's like God says, right? I held my hands out all day <laughs> and so uh i brought a beverage what is your uh, beverage you know i've been kind of lazy with the beverages you know mm-hmm. i've just been going to the gas station <laughs> on my way into the well, studio it is a pretty dope gas station <laughs> so i have a lime marita sparkling margarita oh okay you Interesting. Like There's a first for everything. All right, here we go. All right. So margaritas are the sweet ones, right? Yeah, I think so. That's got the... I've always been more of a martini guy myself, so... Mm. Shaken, not stirred. Because you don't like the sweet so much? Is that what it is? Yeah, it's... Uh, I'm just too sweet as it is, so... There you go, Bert. Thank you. I've heard now. I don't have a whole lot of experience drinking mixed drinks. I just, I just tend to stick with my, uh, you know, classic beers and classic bourbons and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from what I've heard, you're not supposed to drink a martini shaken because it gets ice all over the drink and makes it very unpleasant. Oh, really? See, I I like gin with mine and uh, and then olive olive juice. So I think they call that a dirty martini. I think you're right. But I've really gotten into drinking absinthe. Of course you really? have. Yeah, that's been really fun. It tastes like black licorice. That sounds like something That's some you pretty high-proof stuff, isn't it? it? It is. You really have to dilute it with water. It is interesting. And, you know, I don't know. I did the whole uh, ritual thing where you got the sugar cube, and then you pour water over it and all that kind of stuff. It was kind of fun. I mean, I didn't think it added much to the drink itself, but, you know, so... <laughs> I th- I tried that at the Mall of America once. They had a they had absinthe. Yeah, <laughs> really. Yeah, Vicar, you've been there probably. There's yeah, like a place that in some, you know, mm-hmm. and they they treat it like it's so serious. And this is a drink, right? You know. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think? What do you think of this? I don't know. I haven't tasted it yet. Hmm. I like it. Yeah, it's real good. Real good. So, uh, what are you preaching on? Okay, the text for this coming Sunday is Matthew chapter 8, right? Correct. Okay, good. I wrote, I'm like, I'm on uh, February 16th or whatever. Wow, right? that look at you. Ahead, so. so, yeah, I uh, have to remember back to what I wrote. for. The... <laughs> so, um, this, uh, uh, it's Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 13, and this deals, um, the, the doctrine or the teaching that comes from this is faith. What is faith and what isn't faith? And Jesus interacts with two different guys, a leper and a, and a centurion. And um, what's a centurion, Vicar? It's an official or officer in the Roman army, and he has a hundred men under him. Right. That's like same word as century right. or um, centennial or whatever. So, right. And so this text teaches us what faith is and what faith is not. 
Right? We've talked a lot about what faith is, uh, that faith is not a power. Um, you don't uh, claim it, right? Name it and claim it or whatever these theology of glory sort of deals are, that if you just believe hard enough, God will raise your dead kid or give you lots of money or do all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the presuppositions of faith is knowing your own unworthiness. And we see this very clearly in the centurion in that he tells the Lord that he is not even worthy uh, for the Lord to come under his, that he is not even worthy for the Lord to come under his his roof, right? right? Um, on the other hand, um, we see the impudence of the leper. The leper comes up and actually kneels before Jesus, uh, which was forbidden by the Mosaic law. And mm-hmm. so you have these two very different actions, but both of them flow from faith, which is trust. Faith is trust in the promises of the gospel. We see that the centurion says, no, Jesus, you don't you know, have to come to my home. Just speak the word because I, I trust that your word is powerful enough. Uh, the leper, on the other hand, trusts that Jesus is not only able to help him, but so willing to help him that he is he breaks all of the religious laws of his day and approaches the Lord. Um, and so you see two very, very different actions, uh, but they spring from the same place. Mm-hmm. Now, um, if you want to work the Old Testament lesson into that, uh, which is Second Kings something, something. Vicar is loading because he's reading my mind here. But this is the text of Naaman the Syrian, okay? Naaman the Syrian uh, is a leper, and he comes to the prophet Elisha uh, to be healed of his leprosy. You could say that Naaman is also impudent, right? He gets furious when Elisha won't even come out of the door, right? Right. Um, And it just sends a servant out and says, hey, you know, uh, go dip yourself in the Jordan seven times. Mm-hmm. And he gets furious, and he's like, well, I wanted a magic show. I wanted him to come out and, you know, speak the name of his God and wave his hands over me, do a little spirit finger action, right? Right. Um, and so you see two very similar actions, right? Naaman, the leper, and the leper in the Gospels. They both approach the prophet, mm-hmm. right? But they come from very, very different sources. Hmm. One is an impudence that springs from faith, the other is an impudence which springs from the flesh. So, and and uh, Vicar, what are you preaching? Pre- Vicar's preaching this one, so yeah. So I'm concentrating a little bit on the topic of authority mm-hmm. uh, because uh, within the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is just getting down from the Sermon on the Mount, where he lays out the longest recorded sermon in the Gospels. And arguably, some of the more controversial teachings of our Lord are contained therein. And it's as if he's backing up those words with authoritative deeds. Mm -hmm. The deeds of Jesus are not separated from his word, which we see in the two miracles, where he heals the leper by touching him and speaking, and where he heals the servant of the centurion just by speaking. And Jesus' word is still authoritative for us today. His authority and I'd like to hear what you have to say on this, Berg, because I'm still kind of teasing it out in my mind. But the authority of Jesus is he's given all authority on heaven, in heaven and on earth, right? So in this, in these miracles, I would argue that we see the authority on earth displayed in the sense that he is restoring a broken, the broken bodies of, of two people, the leper and uh, the servant. We also see his authority in heaven, his authority in heaven that is forgiving sinners, uh, where we see the leper cleansed. Uh, And that authority in heaven is the authority that the church is given today. We still see it today uh, through um, John 20, right? The sins that you forgive, they are forgiven. The sins that you retain, they are retained. Um, and so my, my sermon lands on the office of the keys and the forgiveness that is spoken by the pastor with not his own authority, but the authority of Christ and his word still working today in the church. So, mm-hmm. so you said, he, interesting, and what, he, what, what part do you want uh, Berg's opinion on? Well, just, just the idea of where, 
Well, I guess one place is where do we see the authority on earth that our Lord has? Uh, Matthew 28 is what I'm thinking of particularly. All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. And then he commissions his disciples to go as the church, Mm -hmm. baptizing and teaching. Right. Um, And I see the authority on earth in more of his miracles uh, and and his teaching. He teaches with authority. Uh, But what's his authority in heaven versus the authority on earth? Or is there a difference? Or is it the same? I would would maybe take it to mean that I think you could tie that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me to whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Yeah, yeah. So it's really one and the same. All right, so uh, Matthew 28 is the culmination of of the gospel, right? That um, Christ has died for our sins and he's been raised again, right? Yeah. Um, and so uh, where does this all of this authority in heaven and on earth? Jesus possesses this by virtue of his divinity, right? Correct. Um, however, I don't think he's just talking about his divinity here. He's talking about the whole man, right? Uh, that Jesus as the God-man has now been exalted above all things, right? Because that's what the Jesus is about ready to ascend into heaven, right? right? And this is the this is the the high point of his exaltation, right? Um, I would argue that a lot of the miracles that happen now, right, um, in the gospel before the crucifixion, uh, are not they're signs of the authority that he has received mm-hmm. from his Father because uh, he has submitted himself, right? Because he is clothed in humility. Um, In heaven and on earth, um, we see in Matthew 28, we see that Christ uh, rules all things for our benefit, right? Um, Not just is he given the name above the angels, as Hebrews 1 says, um, but uh, he is also uh, given the name above every name, right? As Philippians says. Um, And he rules the earth, not just in his kingdom of grace, but as we teach the kingdom of his power, um, invisibly, right? That all things have been put under his feet. Right. The thing is, is we just don't see it yet. Um, one expression of his authority is in the church, right? Um, which is a peculiar authority, right? Um, it's very different from er- than from any other authority that God has actually instituted, um, which would be a good way to, uh, you know, um, talk about... Uh, you know, um, the power of bishops, right? Not mixing the two kingdoms, um, yeah. that sort of thing. So, good. You know what? What one thing that I I find as a struggle from that text is this: is when he says, "Just say the word, and my servant will be healed." Because uh, a lot of people, when they hear that, they might think of God as kind of being cold. Hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. You know, we visit people who have all sorts of sicknesses and diseases and cancers and all sorts of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And they thought, just say the word, Jesus. Why doesn't he say the word in those situations like they want to? Mm-hmm. And um, at the same hand, though, the greatest miracle of forgiveness is what we really need. He does give us. Right. And I think, too, this for pastors out there, um, these two people are very, very different, mm-hmm. right? Just in their actions. Um, the leper gets a real hands-on approach, right? like mm-hmm. literally, right? Yeah. Um, and he is sent as a witness to others. Um, this is not the case with the centurion. The centurion is, how do I want to say it? I mean, he is more, you, know, you have some people who are really emotional, mm-hmm. you know, and... The centurion isn't like that, right? He's really matter of fact, very practical, you know, and that's the thing. Both of these guys are going to be in the kingdom of heaven, right? right? Even though they're very different in their temperament and in their responses to Jesus. And I think that's, you know, that's not, that's something to celebrate and not, you know, while we all have to be like super happy, right? um, you know, (laughs) extroverted people all the time. Right. And um, there, there's room in the world for both Bergs and Bullhagens, is what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, if you want to, <laughs> if that's what you extrapolated, that's, you know. <laughs> but, you know, I, I do think, like, um, we, you know, to get into a news that bothers Berg, uh, I just posted one on uh, a Methodist church that is 
telling all of its old people to leave, so that way younger people can join the church. Wow. Um, yeah, and this happened in your home state of Minnesota. So. Why do all these come from Minnesota? <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's... But this is what we do. We uh, Because people have different temperaments or they come from different socioeconomic backgrounds or they're different ages or they have different interests, well, we tend to like cut up the body of Christ and say, oh, well, here's a group for you. Here's a group for you. Here's a group for you. When faith unites us all, we're one in Christ, even though we may be very different people. And that's what I tried to do with the, the Melba episode mm-hmm. is – is in our uh, our culture that increasingly kind of dismisses the older folks and their voice is to give a chance for that voice to be heard, right? And uh, and to 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 really kind of unite the the ages because that's what the church is. I mean, the church is not just our elderly. Our church are are those saints who have died many 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 years ago, right? And they're also the saints who are yet to be born, right? You know, and so, and so, all of these saints are all in the same church. And I agree is is we uh, segment people within the church too easily, and uh, we we act as though the elderly and the children have nothing to do with each other. Right. So, yeah. Well, we're all over the place. We need to keep moving here. All right. I'm losing focus. We need to to, to keep going. So, hey, before we move on, I wanted to mention something actually. So we've uh, mentioned a couple times that we need people to send in their favorite moments of the Clerical Errors podcast. We are closing in on one full year of podcasts. I would love to make a little clip show, kind of like I did for the uh, uh, last Vickers Goodbye. Which one was that? 15.0. 15.0. I'd love to do that for the whole podcast, get like uh, a good number of Favorite moments we can look back right. on. Right, so and, like the uh, pickle jar moment. Sure, like right. the pickle jar Your moment. favorite story. You could have what is your favorite What's beverage your f- that we shared. Right, your favorite quip, you know. <laughs> um, your favorite word that Berg has used. <laughs> so Your you favorite know. top 12 list, your favorite blasphemy. Show dedication. Your favorite show dedication. Boy, we haven't w- done that for a while. Yeah, I would like to dedicate this show to... We got our first Patreon giver. Holy buckets. Patreon giver. Thank you. <laughs> this is dedicated to you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you're listening and you think, well, you know, I might be the Clerical Heirs podcast favorite listener. Unless you're that giver, you're not. <laughs> 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 so I, I hate to, you know, I hate to do that to you, but... You might think, oh, yeah, maybe we're his, we're, we're his favorite. Well, first of all, you have to share the show, right? You got to let right. people know. <laughs> you got to get Oklahoma involved, right? Only you can prevent Oklahoma's from happening. Right. And, you know, you know, Patreon helps. So It does. So, so where can they reach us at? Like if they want to send in their favorite moments or, you know, share us to other people's. Well, they can find us at Facebook, Clerical Heirs Podcast on Facebook. They can find us on Twitter. Someone else say it. At me, bro. All right. Uh, at Clerical Heirs P, P for podcast. And they can uh, find us. Uh, um, hey, do people still twit? I don't know. I don't. Peter, do oh, we have, do we have TikTok yet? We talked about getting TikTok. Do we have TikTok yet? Uh. We can make one, I suppose. <laughs> if that's what you want to do, well, it, I'll install it. On I, your I know, phone I know, the kids love that. I don't know, have no idea what it is. <laughs> so, well, I'm, I'm you know, still struggling like, with my this Vine is like account. the whole body of Christ sort of deal. Yeah, right? yeah. So, um, answering machine all the way to TikTok. So please, mm. so pick a category. Let us know. We want to know what resonates with you because that's what makes our show better. So please, what are your favorite moments? And we will compile that in our year anniversary. And uh, So, yeah, you can send us those favorite moments on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, or if you want to email them to us, you can email them to us at favoritemoments at clericalerrors.org. Yeah, even if you want to send a video message. Oh, that, oh sure. That would, that would be, be cool. cool. 
That'd be cool. We'll make Vicar watch them all. Yeah. <laughs> like, a, that'd be cool that we could post of someone giving, oh, this was my favorite moment and why. That'd right. That'd be really cool. That uh, I'd like to see who our viewers are, because right now, you're just kind of faceless ears, just kind of wandering around <laughs> the country except for Oklahoma. Hey, <laughs> right, we can maybe even put the uh, audio from it in uh, in the episode. So if you want to be in an episode of Clerical Errors. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want you don't want me crying, do you? I don't know. That sounds like a challenge. Make Pastor cry. <laughs> oh, almost like, as almost your like son, kale. I have almost lots like of ways to do it. I'll just be nice and not. Right. <laughs> well, you know, almost like the kale challenge. <laughs> it was probably pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. So we <laughs> have to move on. Got to move on. I'm losing focus. Oh, I was going to mention one more thing. So you guys mentioned the Patreon, right? Yeah. You guys want to kind of advertise that a little more now? Yeah. 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 Right. Awesome. So we have, we've, we've set up an account on this uh, service called Patreon. Uh, it's uh, basically, it's just a way for people to support creators that they like. Um, and you can set it up with a monthly membership and all you can, you can do anything from $1 to however much you want. We just have one button on there that's that's got a, pis- a picture of Pastor Berg because I found it funny, and uh, <laughs> of, of course, of course you did. And because uh, and there's just people a, just a look- one dollar donation that you can you can choose whatever you want to donate, and it'll just if you hook it up through your credit card, it just takes however much you gave it every month. Um, I think I know why and- you did it, Peter, because you you gave him the picture so that that you know it's kind of like. Uh, like the animal shelter videos where they have like a really sad looking puppy and they want people to give. Well, sad looking is pretty true. <laughs> oh no. I feel like I'd do a Vicar picture if I did that. <laughs> but they're te- that would be temporary. We want something more permanent. <laughs> you're right. You're right. All right. So, 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 uh, so if you want to, uh, donate to that, the, it, it can, uh, it's kind of, it's, it can be a little bit annoying to set up. I'll be honest, but it should be able to guide you through it pretty well. The, the website is patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash clerical errors podcast. Okay. So this is a special episode, even though we're about, what, 20 minutes in or so? <laughs> and we haven't yep. talked about our theme. We have actually have a theme. <laughs> I, I know. We're, we're being awesome. We need to move. We need to move. Uh, but our theme is? Uh, the liturgy. The liturgy. And, and so... Um, uh, it's all based on a question we got. Was it an email, Peter? Yeah, it was an email like a month and a half ago. <laughs> all right. We're so, so timely. Um, so, Peter, do you have that email in front of you? I can pull it up. Hang on. So, fun fact. Uh, contrary to popular belief, cats don't always land on their feet. And the innate cat writing reflex only works up to 30 meters. All right, I found it. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I know it's important, Peter, but it reminds me, you're so a cat. I, I know this is true. Do you know why? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay, I want to hear the story. Okay. I know you're not supposed to mess with cats. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a hot button nowadays. Um, and, uh, and so I remember as a kid, like hearing a cat always lands on their feet, right? Yep. So I pick up a cat and I kind of give it a little toss. Mm-hmm. And it lands on his feet. Well, I toss the cat a little higher. Lands on his feet. Like, oh, this thing is amazing. So I basically like do a spike, <laughs> and the cat goes and runs away. <laughs> so it didn't land on his feet. Oh boy! <laughs> All right. So Peter, what is the email? All right. So we received this email on November twenty fourth. <laughs> oh, that's been a little longer. <laughs> it's been pretty long. Because uh, we keep we keep putting it off because we want to talk about other stuff. Yeah. Because they want to give a, this question a full episode. Yeah. And we just hadn't found time to do it. <laughs> and yet. we still have it. We're half hour. <laughs> that was like two deaths. So anyway, this question was from Jeff. Uh, says, can you explain and provide background on the divine service as it is used in the Lutheran service book and previous Lutheran hymnals? I have attended several LCMS churches in my lifetime, and some have veered off the divine service. They've always kept the key components of the service, i.e. confession and absolution, scripture readings, sermon, creed, and Lord's Prayer. 
but regularly leave out other parts, such as the Kyrie, or substitute other hymns in place of the included hymn of praise. I've heard these components sometimes phrased as adiaphora. Is that an accurate statement, and should the LCMS congregations truly have Christian freedom to create their own order of worship? Okay. So, uh, first of all, I think we should have divine service defined. I can do that for you. Wow. Vicar came prepared. So, hey, Vicar app, uh, what does the divine service mean? The, the title divine service is derived from a German word, actually, which is actually a name of another podcast, Gottesdienst, which means God's service. And its meaning is, it's dual in nature. There are two meanings. In worship, first, God serves us, uh, sinners with his gifts of forgiveness and life, and we as the church respond in service to him through our sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise. But it's chiefly God's service to us, which is why it's called divine or God mm-hmm. service. And so Jeff is asking about that. Um, he also used another word, adiaphora. Do you have that? I don't have that word. <laughs> in my in my bank um it's something that is neither commanded or um forbidden forbidden in scripture scripture. Mm -hmm. and uh that is always always a kind of a debate of what actually is commanded and what is forbidden in scripture because you know you could say things like well the the bible doesn't use the word abortion (laughs) right if you want to read more about what's called adiaphora, there is uh, this nifty thing called the Book of Concord. And in the formula of Concord, they have an entire article about adiaphora. And that's where we get the word from. And it, I think it would provide some context uh, to, this, to this question. So listener, if you really are interested in this, you can go to, um, you can actually Google the Book of Concord. There is a free site where you can read it online, or you can go to CPH, our publishing house, Concordia Publishing House, and order a reader's edition of the Book of Concord for yes. probably like 20 bucks. Okay, so let's get let's get to, to some of the, before we, because we're going to be talking about some of these things, but let, let's, let's start off with just some basic quick answers to some of those questions. So in your opinion, Berg, is the divine service, um, which has... Uh, as, as Vicar mentioned, really it is an order of service where it focuses on God serving us. Mm-hmm. Do you think that is a, an adiaphora? Offering, excuse me. So the, the fact that we receive the law and the gospel in an orderly way is not adiaphora. That is not an adiaphora, okay? Um, it, it is actually commanded by God that there are certain people who preach the gospel and the law. Um, St. Paul says to the Ephesian elders who are pastors that he has preached to them the whole counsel of God. Now, the order of those things might vary, and um, how exactly it's set up might actually be uh, what we call an indifferent or an adiaphora. Um, Just because it's neither commanded nor forbidden, that doesn't mean it's not important. So before the Reformation, uh, all Western Christians used Latin for the most part. I mean, there are probably some exceptions somewhere, and somebody would probably call me on it. But, you know, for the most part, every every parish that you went to uh, had the same service that came from Rome for the most part. I mean, mm-hmm. there were some distinctions and, you know, uh, regional distinctions and the like, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there always would be. Um just because of the distances, the lack of education, and the like. When the Reformation came out, um, people were still worshiping in Latin. Uh, Luther actually wanted to retain the Latin service for the children, so that way they could learn Latin, because Latin was the language of their day. It was the international language. It was the language of of learning. Uh, And Lutheran churches kept the Latin uh, services for about 250 years. Luther himself came up with a divine service um, and translated it, um, and it, that is found in volume 54 of Luther's works, 
um, his liturgy and hymns. Um, and so you and you have a bunch of uh, German services popping up. There, they would actually sing um, the Creed. They would sing uh, the Kyrie. They would sing just about everything. Um, so, so you would we would say that it is not commanded in Scripture that you know the order of things that you have the Lord's Prayer here or you right. Know, you use this kind of bulletin, you use this page of the liturgy. Right. But I do think there's something to be said that talks about in the Bible about things being done in good order. Right. About being the, uni- having unity of yeah, the faith. The, the fact that the law and the gospel need to be proclaimed in an orderly way, that is not adiaphora. Right. That is not, I mean, God commands that. And if right. you don't do that, you're sinning. Right. And so I, I guess, you know, I would like to say that there is a f- clean answer on where that falls, but I I don't honestly know. Well, you know, we can look at the history of what we've received, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's the thing. Um, you've We are to contend for that which has been handed down to us, mm-hmm. right? We're not the followers of Calvin who just chucked the baby out with the bathwater. Right. Right? Um, we preserve and pass down what we have received. Well, what have we received? Well, um, we've received Luther's German mass. A lot of the different German territories had their own liturgies that were actually enforced uh, throughout their territory, mm-hmm. right? Um, our own Missouri Senate people came over with a low version of Luther's German mass. So that talks about that, right? That's kind of where we ended up. So what about like divine service setting three, right? Or page five and 15 from the Lutheran, from the Lutheran hymnal, which most people, you know, a lot of people who are listening to the podcast probably grew up with, right? Um, Well, this actually didn't come from the Missouri Senate. This was done by the general Senate and by the general council and a third church body. And what they did, and why this is called the common service, is that they took which was common to all of the Lutheran liturgies of the 16th century, and they kind of unified it, right? Um, they took what was good you know, and common to all of these, and they put it into a service. And that's why we have the service that we have. Right. Right. Now, I don't know about, like, uh, uh, divine service setting one. I don't know where all that comes from. So um, I call that one the Woody Woodpecker Mass <laughs> because what? because of the Hosannas. Hosanna, Hosanna. Oh, yeah. Hosanna. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So <laughs> too bad we don't have sticky notes anymore. Nope. <laughs> so to keep this moving, uh, my top 12 list is, is, uh, is based on this. Why? Why I like the divine service. Now, I'm a little nervous doing a list on the divine service mm-hmm. because I will say this, okay? Um, I appreciate the liturgy. I use the liturgy. But I, we have so many experts in that. We do. And and uh, I'm not – I'm a pastor, but I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't call myself an expert in some of the finer points of that like some people are. Yep. And so, so I'm a little nervous because, because, uh, because, uh, well, there's this and there's this and there's this and there's this that, you know, but -hmm. but this is more why I, as a pastor appreciate it and why I think using, uh, a common service, the divine service, uh, uh, is a good thing for the church and for a particular congregation. So I'm not, I'm not getting into like the finer details and that kind of thing, because mm-hmm. well, you you know how I roll, right? I'm picking up what you're putting down. So, Peter, did you play the intro yet? Peter, play the intro. <laughs> Enough nonsense. It's time for Bullhagen's top twelve. All right. So the top twelve reasons why I, as a pastor, appreciate the divine service. Number twelve. It reflects how God met with His people in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So, so when you look at the divine service, um, it reflects things like uh, Acts chapter two. Yep. 
where they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Hey, by the way, Peter, can you still sing that song? Yeah, but I'm not happy about it. <laughs> when the kids had, for memory work, uh, I made it, they were having, one of the kids was having trouble, so I sang it. And it still sticks with them. Nice. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So it refl- if you look at scripture, yep, how God, for example, met with his people in the Old Testament, how it was he had the holy place, the altar, right? And the, the, the point of it was God's mercy with his people, God meeting with his people. Um, and, uh, and you go from that all the way down to Revelation, where you have the vision of heaven being worship, where actually some of the elements we use in the worship service comes from Revelation. Yep. So, so it reflects, when you look at Scripture and how, how worship and how God uh, served his people throughout the Old and New Testament, um, the divine service reflects that still today, and it makes us a part of that history. Number 11. It reflects a trust that God's word will do what God promises it will do. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is, is when you come with, use a, a divine service um, and you use it regularly, it shows that you don't feel as though you need to dress up God's word with all sorts of fancy things. You know, you don't have to, it, it the divine service uses God's word throughout the service. You're singing God's word. The canticles come from God's word. Um, and so, and so because of that, having a faithful liturgy, now some will say, well, it's kind of boring. It's not engaging enough for people. But the point is, if you trust, believe that God's word does what it says it does, you don't have to dress it up with all sorts of other things to make it more meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, to quote, uh, how did Melba word it in the one episode? She said, um, she talked about uh, churches feeling as though they have to do a fancy things. She says, if, if you have God's word, you have God's word. It's enough. And that's enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it reflects that trust. And, and when you feel as though it's not reaching, it's not doing this, it's not doing that, to me, in a way, you're kind of showing maybe you're not trusting that God's word will do what it says it does. Mm-hmm. Number 10. Repetition uh, teaches us to believe and it trains us to believe through repetition. And so, in other words, it really instructs our faith all along the way. And the repetition of doing a common service every Sunday does that. You're repeating it over and over again. Do you remember, any, either of you remember Stuart Smalley? No. Nope. Stuart Smalley was a, a character on Saturday Night Live. Um, way back when, way before Vicar was born, and uh, he would have he had, would have daily affirmations. Okay, and he would say, you know, uh, he'd look in the mirror and he'd say, "I'm good enough, I'm talented enough," or something like that. And gosh darn it, people like me. <laughs> and it, he was doing this because the more he would hear it, the idea is, the more he would believe it, believe it, and the more you say it. Right. Do you more believe it? Now, I mean, you know, I'm not saying that we should all be Stuart Smalley. But, but the liturgy you should be. Number nine. It gives the pastor time to focus on preaching and teaching and visitation. What do we mean by that? To come up with new liturgies is time consuming. Yep. And uh, to come up with a special liturgy for that, a special liturgy to this, to take parts. Now, now some places they won't have the pastor do it. The pastor just signs off on it, which not my style. Yeah, has a <laughs> has a few problems. Right, right. So, but but uh, as a pastor, we're busy. We're busy making visits. We're busy preparing. We're busy teaching. We're busy preaching, and all that takes time. And and I know. In a lot of cases, that to put together a service, to put together a PowerPoint or whatever, to, and to kind of try and reinvent the wheel week after week takes an enormous amount of time that would take away from, as a pastor, preaching and mm-hmm. teaching and visiting. 
And usually when your web pastor gets busy, it's the, the visitation that suffers. Yep. Number eight. It keeps us away from fads and hobby horses. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we have uh, confirmation pictures on our wall. And uh, uh, what we do, if you're, if you're to the listener, uh, we take pictures of people at their most awkward time in life and we put it on the wall forever. Yes. And people walk by those, those uh, photographs and they say, I can't believe I wore my hair like that. Right, I can't believe I wore those shoes. And kids would walk by and see their their dad like ha ha ha. <laughs> right. For those that are maybe not familiar with the Lutheran rite of confirmation, confirmation, and we've discussed it, I suppose, on previous podcasts. But if this is your first one, you can look back at our discussion of confirmation. It's probably uh, five or six episodes back at this point uh, through in the clerical errors, but. Essentially, it's a it's a rite in in the service on Sunday morning, where um, uh, our young people or perhaps um, adult converts to Christianity make a public confession of the faith that they've been given in baptism, and it's a culmination of their uh, initial catechesis or teaching. Right. Yeah. So, so my point is this is if you're constantly changing the service, um, what, you know, there are many songs and many liturgies that were very popular 20 years ago that are not so much now, you know? Come on, and, I thought you'd love the Lady Gaga Mass. Huh. Well. Ubi caritas. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, but, but, but really, if, if I'm writing a liturgy, I'm writing with a point to it. If I'm writing a liturgy, you're ba- I'm saying, okay, this is what I think is meaningful. This is what I think is important. And I know that uh, that um, we're all people and we're all reactionary. That Real reactionary, man. Yeah, so, so it, it keeps us honest and keeps us faithful and it keeps us preaching something that is more timeless, shall we say. Number seven. It's not a marketing scam or scheme. What do we mean by that? Scam, scheme, pretty much the same. Well, well, when it when it comes to the the service, sometimes an attitude is made as well. If we sell our service this way, if we market to these people, then we can really reach them. And and what it does is it becomes less about Christ serving us. And more about how you deliver it. More about the kinds of bells and whistles that will really, really draw the people in. Now, it's important to draw people in for sure. And that's why you invite your friends to church and you explain what's going on. But but it's not something that should be, um, you know, a marketing scam. That your service has kind of a hidden agenda that, that you know, that you will you'll bring people in and then you'll kind of, kind of, Kind of like timeshares. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think, this is why I think particularly uh, younger people are increasingly becoming more drawn to the divine service. Is because when you follow the liturgy, that's, it's, it's, this is what we sing. This is what God's word says. And we're not going to, you know, uh, uh, what word am I thinking of? We're not going to... Uh, Oh, we're authentic. We are who we say we are. Right. We're not going to. Right. Uh, there's a perfect word that's not coming to my mind. Um, but anyways, so, yeah. And uh, and it's something that 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 uh, our grandfathers, our great-grand, you know, that's been in the church a long time. And so it's not a market. There's no hidden agenda. This is, we're bringing Christ in his word and his body and blood to you. Number six. It respects the generations that were before us. We should worship in a way that uh, that uh, they would be familiar with, because um, it has served us all well. Mm-hmm. You know, if I were to write a liturgy, um, uh, I would be sitting. I'll, I'll tell. You, I'll, I'll go to a sermon, for example. A sermon's a struggle because you never know what's going to actually uh, clobber someone over the head with it, so to speak. 
Mm-hmm. You you don't know really because when he preached a bad, which in your mind was not your best sermon, that's when people will say, "Oh, thank you, I appreciated that." You know, and uh, and all of a sudden you, you're put in a, a place where, well, I need to really put together service that will really, really do that. And and it's kind of like you're reinventing the wheel. Mm-hmm. We have something that has served the church for so long that already does that. And so, and so as, as a pastor, um, I think we should respect the generations that, that came before us and to realize that it works. Number five. The gospel is proclaimed in the divine service even when the pastor is having a bad day. Yep. <laughs> uh, and uh, every pastor can say this, and every listener who listens to a pastor can say this. Sometimes the sermon either just you're busy and your mind is busy. You don't always hear parts of it. Maybe there's certain things you don't understand about it. Maybe I can think of some sermons where where um, I was pretty confident going in, and then afterwards, like, wow, that didn't go the way mm-hmm. I thought it would. And and um, and so and and uh, there are churches where you might have a pastor, uh, an elderly pastor, who's struggling to preach, or or you have various situations. The liturgy will make always make sure a consistent divine service will make sure that the gospel is heard and proclaimed clearly every Sunday. And and so, so the pastor's having a bad day with his sermon. Imagine if he's having a bad day with his sermon and with the liturgy he put together. <laughs> that would be sad. That would be sad. Number four. It seeks to save the lost. Now, people will say, well... Well, I think more, really, if you write your own services and make it more meaningful, that's what seeks to save the lost. But no, not really. Um, because the whole divine service is set up around the forgiveness of sins, the mercy of God, exactly what you need. And many of the services that I've heard where it's kind of used, where they step away from the divine service, a lot of times it becomes not gospel-oriented, but law-oriented. We should do this. We need to do this. We need to emphasize stewardship. We need to do this. And it actually, for the lost, it, it really doesn't do that so much. Um, and so I believe that it is something that does suit the lost because the lost hear the gospel, and that's what brings life and salvation. Number three. It puts the word of God to music. That's how we can remember things, you know? Yep. Um, uh, every pastor knows, has dealt with this too many times to count, where you're dealing with someone who has trouble putting a sentence together or has trouble remembering anything about their day. You sing some of the liturgy with them, they're right with you. Mm-hmm. And and they appreciate that. So, so there's something about singing that helps us learn it, retain it, and believe it. And because uh, most of the canticles and most of the things we say come directly from Scripture, and, and if you look in our service book, there are Scripture references to kind of highlight that, you're, you're putting the Word of God to, to music, and it helps you remember it. Number two. It is truly a blessing when everyone buys into it. That's kind of my theme lately that I've been kind of stuck into. Yep. And what do I mean by that is when it comes to worship— Everyone has their opinion, and everyone thinks, well, if we worship this way, or if we worship this that way, and uh, then that will reach the, reach people. That will make the church grow. If we do this and that, and everyone has their own opinion. But imagine this. If you, look the, if you use the hymnal, you use the divine service, right? And everyone says, okay, we're going to stand by this. I think that would do an infinite more help in, in, in reaching people and, and and having a clear confession than argumenting argue, argumenting uh, arguing about uh, what kind of service you should be doing. Well, and and that's the thing is that you know when people uh, they say, well, our kids are leaving, blah 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 blah, right? And it's about the liturgy. Sometimes it's because 
they themselves are bored with the liturgy. The parents are. Or there's somebody else in the congregation who's telling them, you know, that it's boring, you know? Right. So, you know, and so that's the thing is like, you know, your kids do oftentimes follow your actions. And, and, and Peter, you uh, paying attention over there? Yeah. Um, I think you have a, 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 an idea about this too. When you, when you think of, of various services, cause you appreciate, and, and when you're away from home, if you find a church that, that actually uses a service that you're familiar with, that's very comforting to you, isn't it? Oh yeah. It feels, it feels less like I'm in a weird place doing weird things and more like, oh, this is just another church. Yeah. It kind of keeps everything feeling normal. So if I end up in a, in another church, it's like, oh yeah, I can, I can, I know everything that's going on. I can sing this. Everything is in the same order. And that brings us to number one. And number one. We need Jesus to save us. And it reflects that we are dead sinners uh, without him. And it places our eyes on the death, the resurrection of Jesus, and how he comes to service and save us by his word and by feeding his body and blood. And and if you if you think about it, if that's the f- the focus, and there's they're very, it speaks it so clearly, and it gets to the heart of it every Sunday. And and we take so many of those things for granted. That uh, to have that singular message every Sunday is truly a blessing. So I kind of wanted my top twelve list to be kind of a positive. This is what I appreciate, um, and and to look at it as a gift rather than get into the argumentation of it mm-hmm. because you know that's that's i'm a sparkly person like that berg indeed so if you have any other things that you guys appreciate about the liturgy if you'd like to add to pastor bullhagen's top 12 list uh please email us add us bro facebook us and, cetera, and if you want and, and vicar mentioned the the goddesstein's crowd they're really good at explaining that stuff a lot better than I am. I'll be honest. There was a really great uh, podcast on uh, from them on um, the uh, the origin of the of the common service by Will Whedon. Um, really, he used, he's the former director of worship, I believe, at uh, Synodical headquarters. Really right. great guy. Very right. Uh, now the, the, they don't do things like that we do too. So so don't leave us for them. <laughs> <laughs> we're kind of like of the of all these podcasts we're like your fun uncle yes <laughs> your crazy uncle well pastor berg maybe uh later this afternoon you can post uh, a link to that so people can listen to it if they like yep yep that'll be great all right let's do a uh what we're we talking about again <laughs> i i can't remember <laughs> we're going to do the attention deficit a Bible study. Peter, play the intro. Do you have impaired concentration? Then this is for you. It's the Impaired Concentration Bible Study. One verse, one verse only. Oh, I like that music. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> so, uh, Peter, uh, you got your wheel ready to go. Yep, I got it ready to go. Here we go. All right, we got Proverbs 3 verses 11 and 12. The wheel loves Proverbs. I think the... It really does. It's got like I a, need to get a new it, wheel. It's like... I don't know. When it gets... The, maybe there's like a little groove in the wheel that it gets stuck on Proverbs or something. I like... Oh, wait. We can't do... We can't do this. It says 11 and 12. It gave me two verses. Oh. oh, oh, oh I'm spinning oh. again. We got Galatians chapter 5 verse 14. All right. All right. So Galatians 5.14, and here we're reading it from the New King James Version. Uh, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, that's pretty easy to do. Since it's so easy, Vicar, do you have any comments on that verse? The law is fulfilled in loving your neighbor as yourself, because at the heart of love, is not looking at how you're taken care of. It's to be concerned more about someone else than yourself. 
Well, it's funny because like this verse is really easy, but so many people miss it, right? Um, I had a, a parishioner who very, very solid Christian. And this person said to me after I had preached that the law is love, right? Love for God and love for the neighbor. Uh, this person said, I, I had never heard that before. And I know that this person had heard that before, but it's something very, very easy to miss because we like to think of the law as a checklist. Right. You know, whether it be 613 commandments or 10 commandments mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and this is a very legalistic uh, and very pharisaical way of looking at it that, oh, well, I got this done. I can check it off my list. But the law isn't simply an action. The law is actually an attitude. It's actually uh, a worldview. It's actually an emotion. It's it's all of these things wrapped up together. That that come from the gospel. Because if if you're if you're um, seeking to please God by your works and the command is to love, if you're loving others so that God likes you, then that's not love. Right, because then you're you're not actually doing it for your neighbor, you're doing it for yourself. And, you know, everybody thinks, uh, and actually people think love is the gospel. Not necessarily. No. The, the law can actually, or the love can actually be the law. And it can be the harshest sort of law because the law commands you to love even your enemies. And you might not like that person all that much. And it never ends. And in one of, for example, in one of our confession of sins that we use more so not in the, in the divine service necessarily, but but uh, my love for others has failed. Mm-hmm. And it, it recognizes, or the, the one we do use is, uh, I have not loved you with our whole heart. I have not loved you, loved my, my neighbor, neighbor as, as myself. myself. And because of the lack of love is sin. It is. Sin is love of yourself. And if you really want to be justified by the law, then you look at the life of Jesus. What did the law do to him? It killed him. Yeah, he followed it to the end and it killed him, right? That's what it means to love. That's the sort of love that the law commands, that you are willing to die, and not just die, but to be damned for others. Uh, and this is how this is the sort of love that the Holy Spirit has engendered in the hearts of very faithful men, men like Moses, mm-hmm. who tells God, "Hey, save these people, even though they've sinned grievously against you. Blot my name out of the book of life." And, and it's something that that uh, that we might be able to understand a little bit more when we're dealing with, uh, you know. Uh, like a love a parent has for their child, you know, you know, if there's a scarcity of food, a parent will feed their child before they feed themselves. Mm-hmm. A nursing mother, if there's no food, the, 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 the mother's milk will actually gain from the mother's own body, the nutrients that the baby needs. So the baby is basically sucking all the nutrition out of the mother's body. Mm-hmm. Well, even in pregnancy that happens, right? right? You look at um, the sort of, you know, all of the nutrients, I mean, from the brain all the way through the body, um, that's that's what that's what pregnancy is. Yeah. And so and so people might now imagine doing love that, for... that way when it comes to others. Or the by one way the Bible uses is they talks about the love of a husband for a wife to talk about the love that Christ for his church. And those are the kinds of things we can maybe begin to understand. But to to have that love perfectly for people who you don't really like yeah, I mean, apply that to Osama bin Laden. Feed him like you would feed your baby. Apply that to the, the neighbor who snowblower blows snow on your driveway. Yeah, or lets his dog poop in your yard. Right. You know, apply that to uh, someone who gives you the Hawaiian peace sign as they're driving by. Right, or or someone, you know, a good friend who stabbed you in the back. Yeah. You know, I mean, th- that that is what the law requires. And as a Christian, it is very... It's very, we begin to love. Right. And then, but we're still pretty terrible at it. And that's the wonderful thing about the Divine Liturgy is because it starts at a failed place. 
And, you know, and, we and, failed all week to love as God wants us to love. And it reminds us that the supreme love, the pure love, is what God gives to us and right. feeds us with. And so, and so if you want to see a great depiction of our love in relation to God's love, read 1 John. Um, 1 John is all about, you know, St. John is always talking about little children, love one another. But then he talks about we love because he first loved us. So. Well, it sounds like we're pretty much done with this episode. Yeah, we will be doing more on this episode. And uh, we've got lots of more stuff to pl- be pl- that are planned. So uh, this is part one of the Divine Service. And uh, we'll have part two next time. So thank you for listening. And uh, I'm Bullhagen. And I'm Berg. I'm Vicar. And may your... May your curiers be loud. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.